the world saw this picture of this perfect image of this family. And they want to continue to see this, but that never exists in our life. Never. Even before they became the Jackson 5. It was just awful. Entertainer LaToya Jackson. Today on Now I've Heard Everything, I'm Duel Thompson. She was born into what would become one of America's most famous music families. LaToya Jackson is the fifth and middle child of the Jackson family, less well-known perhaps than the Jackson Five or her brother Michael or her sister Janet. LaToya carved out her own niche in the music business. But ultimately, thanks largely to LaToya, America learned about the private side of the Jackson family, the side that the fan magazines didn't want to write about. It was the story of the domestic abuse in the family. I met LaToya in 1992, after she published her memoir, LaToya. And one thing that was unusual about the interview is that it was one of the very few times that a person I was interviewing brought with them someone who appeared to be a bodyguard. This large man stood outside the studio. I could see him through the window throughout the entire interview. So here now, from 1992, LaToya Jackson. Why did you write this book? Well, for two reasons, basically, I felt that it was very necessary to bring out the issue of child abuse, to address it to the world, to make it aware, make people aware of what's really going on around them, something that I suffered my life, and I know my siblings have suffered too a great deal, and I could no longer live with it, and I reached, and I, I just reached and reached and reached for help, and my mother was never there to help me. She didn't want to. She um, would say to me, yes, your father did these things to you, but you're never to mention these things. And the more she wanted me to keep it quiet, the more I was willing to write about it. I actually started out just writing to myself because I couldn't deal with it anymore. The pressure was just awfully terrible. And my mother would say, I don't want to mention it to anyone. If you do, I'll deny it. And that's exactly what she's doing today. And I said, if I'm going through this, there must be a lot of other people out there that are going through the same thing. And that's basically why. After a while, you begin to explode, which is, you know, the main reason. You can't deal with it anymore. The pressure it gets to you eats you up. You can't live with You think about it every day. Why did he do this to me, Mother? Why? That's fairly typical, though, isn't it, though, for the non-abusing parent to more or less take the abusing parent's side? Well, I think my mother was abusive, too, in a way. I think she was basically the director, the instigator behind it all. I truly believe so. I, I just... The reason I say that is because when a father sexually molest his daughters and the mother stands there and watch I just have to lose everything I have for her because if I were in that position I would divorce my husband if that were to happen if I, you know if you're married and you're in your husband's doing that to your daughters you leave him after all your daughters are part of your blood and he's not really a part of you but she didn't leave him my sister even begged her she said please take him to a psychiatrist get him help and she didn't do that either but as difficult a story as yours is to read, it is made more difficult by what we thought we had known all these years about the Jackson family. Well, I think it's a, it's been a bit superficial, actually, and I think the world saw this picture of this perfect image of this family, and they want to continue to see this, but that never exists in our life, never. Even before they became the Jackson 5, it was just awful. It was never that way, and it's terrible that we had to live this life of a lie all these years for the public, which is very painful for all of us because none of us liked it. We always smiled for the cameras and pretended like we were happy because we were told to do that. And after that was over, the abuse would come again immediately. 
But you can't force someone to be talented. I mean, the, all of you are talented to begin with. Would you not have been the superstars that you are had it not been for your father? I think that credit definitely goes to my father, without a doubt. When my father finally realized that, uh, actually it started because my father was so strict and 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 mean for some reason I have no idea because when my father would have to get up and go to work in the morning at 5 o'clock, everybody would have to get up at 5 o'clock. The brothers would have to get up and just go outside and do anything. M- l- m- l- they had to do the, um, the grass and the whole bed and just flowers, plant flowers, just something. He says, I'm going to work, you guys are going to work. And after that, we would have to stay in the house all day. We were not allowed to go outside and play. And as a result of that, my um, mother started singing country-western songs with the children. And everybody just started making harmony. And my father played the guitar, of course, and my brother would sometime take his guitar and play it, and he broke a string, and that's when he got in trouble for breaking that string. And my father beat him like crazy and said, Why did you do this? My mother kept telling my father over and over, Joe, the kids have talent. They have talent. He didn't want to hear about it. They have talent. And then when he saw that his guitar string was broken after he had beaten him, he threw the guitar at him and said, Play something for me. And he was amazed. He was amazed that he played better than he did. And that's when it all began. That's why I have to give my father the credit, because from that day onward, he worked with them every single day. Was it because he sensed a financial opportunity? Perhaps. I don't know. I I was too young. I can't really say. I just know that he did work with them every day. I don't want to say that's the reason why, but he did work with them a great deal. And it it went on as far as... um, making them work for six, eight hours a day and nonstop, and he would beat them if they get tired and he, because he wanted them to be great and, I guess, the best. And as a result, this is what you see today from, from some of the siblings. Hmm. John, I'm wondering if, if they'd all shown an aptitude for basketball, if he would have been as, as enthusiastic that way, if they'd show, all shown an aptitude for painting or uh, or whatever. If Was it just music, or, or was he determined to push them I into something? I think it was basically because they were all interested in one thing, and it's probably basically music, because my father was an artist. He was a great uh, painter, actually. He, he paints very well, actually. And um, my brother, Jackie, was offered at a very, very young age to play professional baseball. So it was basically the acting, because my father didn't care about those things. It, it was just the singing, actually. And the brothers knew from the beginning that Michael was to be the leader? In the beginning, um, he wasn't really the leader in the beginning when they first started. But you were from, from my an early father, age. But my father felt that he should stand out. And he had that special charisma that was very, very unique, very unusual. And he just knew what to do. He, he had the sense... When I say he sensed perfectly, he knew where to position people. He knew what would look best in a photo shoot. He knew which clothes would look better for them to wear. He just knew which moves would look better for them to do. And as a result of that, they began to win everything they went out to do, all the contests. all the, it, just, it was amazing. There's a lot of legends that have grown up, a lot of myths, things that we all thought were true because we read them in those magazines, we read them in the papers, uh, that were, that now you tell us uh, weren't weren't quite what we thought they were. Oh, no. No, we're not. Those those legends made up by the folks at Motown. You didn't grow up in a ghetto. No, we did not, no. And did the Supremes discover the Jackson 5? Well, no, not really. The Supremes did not discover the Jackson 5. (laughs) That's that's another one. Well, actually, the the Jackson 5 were discovered actually by two people. Gladys Knight, who had asked my father to take them to Motown, which, in fact, he did not at that particular time. And then later, Bobby Taylor... There's a group called Bobby Taylor and the Vancouver's. 
and the Vancouver's are Cheech and Chong, and Bobby Taylor was the lead singer. So actually, they're the ones who took them actually to Motown. It was Bobby Taylor who says, I'm taking you there. You guys are too good. <laughs> and that's what he did. He took them to Barry, to Detroit. And Barry liked him immediately, and he, he signed them, and, and there they were. And, and then Diana Ross, of course, introduced them to the world because she was very well known at that particular time. After this short break, LaToya Jackson explains what she thinks Michael's videos were actually all about. Now back to my 1992 interview with LaToya Jackson. I hope I'm not giving away too much about either one of us, but I'm about, I'm about your age, and it, it doesn't feel possible that it was that many years ago that I was watching the Jackson 5 on TV, and... You know, Michael out in front, a little short Michael strutting yeah, his stuff. It just doesn't seem it, it seems like it seems like it was just a, a day or two ago. It's amazing. It seems like a day because I looked, I saw, I looked on the television and said, "Oh my God, it's August 29th. It's Michael's birthday." Because he's a year younger than I. I am. I said, "Oh gosh, times fly." <laughs> now you you mentioned in the book that he has become more than just a superstar. He's a phenomenon now. Does that put more pressure on you? No, not at all. No. I think we all have different careers, and I think that Michael is probably one of the best entertainers in the world. I think he's absolutely phenomenal, and I have a great deal of respect for what he does. So, no, I'm very happy for him. No pressure at all. You got some very difficult response when the hardcover of your book came out. It was it was a, a difficult time for you in many ways. In some cases, yes. Has has the reception to, oh, to this time different. been... Oh, it's different. People have turned around now. It's amazing how people can turn around. In the beginning, I think people were shocked, and they couldn't accept it. They didn't want to accept it. They still want to believe that this was this perfect image, this family that we, we lived with, that I grew up with. They want to believe it was just this wonderful thing, and they didn't want to hear anything else, and they refused to accept the truth. But then later on, they begin to realize, oh, wait a minute. If you start watching the behaviors of the children, everyone's quiet and shy and withdrawn. There's a reason for all of this. There's a reason for the things that they do. There's a reason why Michael's videos are so strange and weird. I think vicariously he's living his, his life through his videos through my father of what's going on. He's bringing out that anger and that hatred. I could be very wrong, but this is what I sense when I always look at his videos. I say, why is it always so much violence? Why is it always someone that's really doing terrible things to children? If you pay attention to all videos, it's always something. Someone who wants to be larger than life and say, I'm the biggest, I'm bad, I'm great, I'm wonderful. Always that way. And see, that's the way my father was. Does it trouble you when you read things in, in magazines or on TV that, about you or about Michael, about anybody in the family, that you know are false? You know somebody sat down in a dark room someplace and made this up so that they could sell a few more magazines. Does that trouble you? It used to really badly, but now you, you get to the point where it doesn't bother you anymore. And um, I think they've written so much on Michael that it doesn't bother me because I, I, I look at him and I look at his his, his past and and say, well, gosh, look what they've done to him. And, and it doesn't bother me as much, but sometimes it'll get to you. When someone writes an article, I, the minute I stepped in New York from Paris, a guy in New York City just decided to write the worst article in the world about me that he can, he can imagine. And we called up and asked, why did you write this article? He said, I had nothing else to do. So I said, well, let me just write something terrible about Latoya since she just came back from Paris. <laughs> and the next day he retracted and said, I'm really sorry. I don't know why I did it. Well, isn't that really stupid? I mean, it's the most ridiculous thing in the world. He had nothing else to do. 
You know, when you're on top, you're a target. You're everybody's target. Everybody's going to throw brickbats at you when you're number one. Yes, I guess you're right. <laughs> I, <laughs> I R- do. Uh, Richard Cole, who was the manager for Led Zeppelin, was here not long ago, mm-hmm. and, and he said when they were number one, everybody was after them. They were they nobody. They weren't they weren't free from anybody's attacks or criticism. No, everybody yeah. was after them. And he said it wasn't fun anymore. No, it's not fun. But it's it's life, and, and you have to understand when you're part of this business. Which in fact, I had no choice because my brothers were in this business far before I was, and then I came along, and and my father says, "This is what you're going to do." You have to remember that that's a part of this business. You know, it's not always glamorous the way people think it is. There are a lot of knocks, and it's it's quite difficult. They only see the beauty of it, but it's a lot of hard work getting on those planes early in the morning, making sure you you have to make that that. 7 o'clock flight or 6.30 flight and rush right to a television show and be there and look like you're fresh. And, and then you have the people saying, oh, she looks tired or drained, whatever. They have no idea what you've gone through. You've been up all night and you're sleeping on two hours of sleep. But it's, it's worth it all in this case, I think, when you're helping other people. Because I want children to speak out. I want them to be aware of what's going on around them. I want people to know that child abuse is a very serious matter and that it does exist. We've got to put a curb to her, try and stop it. And let's bring it out in the open and speak out and let someone know that you've been attacked by someone. Yeah, yours is not just a book that you wrote just for the hell of it so you could... so you could. No, my book is basically um, about a girl who lived with a dysfunctional family and who was abused. And everybody in that family was abused in many forms, in many ways. That's what it's about. I can't help it if my last name happened to be Jackson, but it, but that's what it is. And I think that's a problem with some of the people. That's what they had, that problem with that Jackson bit. And here I come with the book. However, I decided to write a book because I couldn't deal with it. And I have to live a normal life, too. And if something gets to you and starts eating to you, you can't deal. You just can't. You, you can't operate mentally. It was it was just terrible for me. It was very draining. Every day, that's all I thought about. Why? Why? He's my father, but why? I need answers to this. Please help me. And you just leave scars for a lifetime. They don't go away. They really don't. But also, I, I, I sense that you didn't write this book so people would say, Oh, poor Latoya. Oh, no, of course not. Because not just me. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in there very little, actually. It's, of course, my father, yes, he beat me uh, once. My father only beat me once, and he beat me very, very badly. And then he threw me on the floor where I had cuts and everything all over my body. He beat me very badly. The book really is about the other members of the family. It's about all of us, of course, in our lives. I touch everybody, of course, but Michael was basically beaten the most, constantly, until basically the day he left home. Michael would go and accept awards on television, and you guys would watch him with the glove and everything, and he would get abused the minute he got home. And people don't know that. They have no idea. There are people that have been to our house who have seen it. They won't speak up because they're afraid they may lose their job, and I wish they would. And, of course, my siblings won't say anything. They won't say yes or no. They won't say anything because they know the truth. But you have to be ready, too, and I think they're still in that denial stage at this point. Will there ever be a a day when there's a happy family reunion? Everybody gets together? Well, contrary to what people may think, there is no friction between me and my brothers and sisters. It's the parents who won't speak, actually. LaToya Jackson will be 65 later this month. Her last music release was an EP in 2011. And you can find easy Amazon links to LaToya's book at our website, heardeverything.com. Are you new to Now We've Heard Everything? Well, thanks for finding us. 
We post new episodes here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and you can find us on all major podcast platforms. And you can find our entire library of past episodes at our website, heardeverything.com. And thanks for listening. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything, get yourself a venti mocha frappuccino and listen to my 1997 interview with former Starbucks CEO Howard Schultz. Starbucks has almost become a third place in America between home and work for people to gather. Ten years ago, there was nowhere to go. That's next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson. Thompson.